Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. It's a double bubble as we move from Mexico to the USA with previewing the race in Austin, Texas. And it's a full house from us, Harry Eid and Samuel Sage, both with me. I'm Ben Hocking. Guys, how are you doing? Feeling good, feeling good. Love a double race weekend. You know, the dull double bubble, as you just explicitly said, uh, for the first time I've ever heard that come out of your mouth. Um, I'm ready for it and loving it. Yeah, like you, the Monday morning blues you get after a race because you've also got to go back to work. They don't exist on a double race weekend because you wake up and it's it's race week again. It's beautiful. And we do try to avoid that RW phrase as much as possible, but that Same. was... you're out of practice of course with not appearing on the last few but we are very glad you're back obviously harry um so yeah we're going to be previewing the u.s grand prix and after something of a mid-season wobble i guess you could call it from mercedes they've come back with a vengeance they've won each of the last three races and singapore was the last time they didn't claim victory um the question and i'll throw this to you first sam do you think that ferrari or indeed red bull can halt the progress of Mercedes? Do you think they can break the streak? Well, Mercedes are in a bit of a unique situation in the sense that they've already won, well, once again, won the Constructors' title. So I feel the motivation might be slightly off. I mean, Toto Wolff will forever look stressed, will forever look like he's about to explode until one of his drivers crosses the line first. But Hamilton simply only has to focus on Bottas. I think he needs, what, four points in total to, to claim the title in the US Grand Prix. Um, I think Bottas is 74 points behind I think, you know what, there's 75 points left up for grabs. So I think as long as Hamilton beats Bottas by what? One point? I don't know how the math works. I think that's his only his only goal is to just ensure that he gets that gap to Bottas right. I don't think winning a race is necessary unless Bottas is winning that race. And I think 
realistically, this is a really even track for all the constructors. I think it suits all the cars in a lot of ways. We've got big straights for Ferrari to maximise. We've got that tough last section for Red Bull to get hold of. And those winding S's are perfect for a Mercedes chassis. I genuinely think that this is anyone's game this weekend. And if they go to it anywhere, yeah, I think that Ferrari or Red Bull do have an even chance of breaking the Mercedes streak. And I think Mercedes have been the underdogs the last few weeks. I can't remember saying that, but I do generally feel that Mercedes have not been the favourites. And because of strategy, because of a little bit of luck, they've come out on top. And go on them. It shows what a champion is. But uh, yeah, I feel like it could definitely happen this weekend. Harry, do you think that Ferrari and Red Bull stand a chance? Well, um, I think they do stand a chance. And they stood a chance last weekend. Um Again, it's just Mercedes kind of capitalising, as they always seem to do pretty well, capitalising on either errors on track or in the pits or strategically. Um, first of all, Red Bull and Ferrari being so close, as it were, in Mexico to Mercedes, having that three-way battle, at least on pace, was like, where was this in March? Like, for God's sakes, guys. Because <laughs> um, it would have been an epic year if we'd had this kind of pace from all three. But hopefully that's the sign for 2020 and we it rolls on to that. Um, but yeah, like, Red Max should have arguably won in Mexico, but for the, A, the first, the, the um, qualifying foul up and then his kind of scrappy first few laps in the race, which just ruined it. Um, Ferrari it also arguably could have won and I don't know that were they outfoxed or or they just made the mistakes themselves. I don't know, but um, I think both Ferrari and Red Bull have have the ability and pace now as we hit the end of the year to beat Mercedes. They just got to execute, and I think Bonotto said it himself. They need to be Ferrari need to be sharper and beat Mercedes when they know they can because the car's got the pace now. So they just need to get it get it together, lads. Like, come on. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a case of over the last few years, we have seen Mercedes win in two different ways. They have either had the best car and they've won, or they have taken advantage of other people's mistakes and they've still won. So the end result has been different. But of course, the, the means of which to get there have been di- have been, uh, have been slightly different in that respect. Um, yeah, I think Mercedes have every chance. I think actually it will be fairly close um, in terms of pace once again. I think Mexico was was pretty close between the three constructors, and the US in a lot of different and in a lot of similar ways is it's just a very similar track to the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. There's the first sector in the US is fairly similar to the final sector in Mexico. You know, the middle sector where you've got that huge long straight in the US is the same as the first sector in Mexico. And then I think that final winding sector in the US is pretty similar to the middle sector in Mexico. So I think you've kind of got all of the sectors just in a different order, really. Um, so I think there is every chance that they are only separated by a few temps in qualifying. And um, it could well come down to strategy once again as to as to whether as to who wins the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mexico... Mercedes were third best in terms of qualifying. Of course, Hamilton and Bottas both lost to at least one Red Bull and one Ferrari. But as we've seen so often in the race, Verstappen went from quotation marks pole position to sixth place and Ferrari managed to get out their magic wand and turn a 1-2 into a 2-4. So so it's happened so many times where these two teams have, have managed to I'll put the emphasis on Mercedes. They've allowed themselves to gain results when you don't think it's possible. Um, I'm not sure about Hamilton's approach into the weekend, to be honest. Will he be 
so focused on getting that driver's championship that a race win doesn't matter. I actually don't think that won't. I, I don't think that will be the case. I think he will go all guns a blazing, looking for the victory. I think it's a sign of his talent and his desire to win races and to be at the top of his game that after qualifying in Mexico, even though it really doesn't matter if he's not claiming pole positions, I think it's the longest stretch now that he's not had a pole position in the hybrid era. And he was so annoyed that he has had this long barren spell in qualifying. And you would think, surely the Drivers' Championship is more important. Surely the races are more important. Hamilton has that innate desire to be at his best at all times. And I think he will go all guns blazing for the win. He only needs a few points. And that's presuming Bottas wins wins out for the rest of the year. So this, this championship's decided. So I think Hamilton might just go for it. That's a circuit he's very good at. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton is a serial winner. And a fun challenge. Uh, let's see if anyone can pronounce the autodromo Hernandez Rodriguez as well as Ben just did without even attempting it to. I just rehearsed it for the last 30 seconds in my head to make sure I got it right. Um, <clears throat> that's a fun case. Lewis Hamilton is a serial winner, and you're right. You can see the frustration when he isn't at the best of every single part of this sport. Anything he does, he wants to be the number one involved in that. And I think that shines through. The, the absolute joy, the elation in, on his face when he came out on top in Mexico was just another level again from Lewis Hamilton. You're right, the car isn't able to respond on a Saturday at the moment, but he's still turning up on a Sunday and going, fine, I'm going to have to do more, and he's doing more. We saw it in Russia, we've seen it in Mexico, and there's every chance we see it again in America, because, we, like we said, Charles Leclerc is an absolute rocket on a Saturday these days. He is the man to be at the moment. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is obviously the old hand in it, the god of qualifying. There's every chance that he can easily turn a strong Saturday into a comfortable Sunday uh, victory if everything goes their way. And when it's Mercedes, most things do tend to go their way because they're just so well prepared. So pretty difficult to keep Mercedes um, out of the loop, pretty difficult to catch them off hand. I highly doubt we're going to see them struggling to even get on that podium. I reckon they'll be challenging for the victory. One, um, one thing I just want to say, and I'm not Hamilton bashing, but I just wish he'd have a little bit more trust in his team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, just an ounce more, because they often get it very, very right with strategy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go into a Hamilton bashing contest. That's not what I'm here. But, I, th- but I think, I think Hamilton is, is the kind of... He, he's, he's a true Englishman where it, it isn't done until <laughs> it's done, until he's crossed that line in first place. Anything could go wrong. He has had so many, well, I say so many disasters. He's almost a six-time world champion. But the, the fight with Rosberg, for example, you know, the amount of times that he is, he's just lost it on that last graph. I think he's a little bit anxious that at any moment, oh, no, 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 could come over the radio. And I think I mean, that's, that's once. I mean, I, th- I think Hamilton has been the recipient of a lot more good luck than he has bad luck. In terms of, I, he's, he's obviously incredibly talented. Nobody's disputing that. But um, I, I think you're right, Harry. That's maybe a, the yeah, that was slightly off topic. But... Anyway, um, do you think of any of the realistic winners of this race? Um, no, I'm not including Robert Kubica in that. Um, do you think any of the top six need a win more than the others, Harry? Does that mean you are including George Russell? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, do any of them need a win more than? I don't know, because Bottas had his pretty good win in Suzuka. I don't know, the championship's done now, but, I mean, he, he did, his confidence took a bit of a dent, I suppose, on Saturday uh, in Mexico. Just possibly Verstappen. Verstappen or Leclerc, I'd put in the top two for that, because Verstappen needs it or needs to 
I don't know, make up from the disaster that was Mexico when it should have been all good. And I don't know, Leclerc. I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not going to agree with Leclerc. Let's go just for Stappen. Let's go for Stappen to make up for Mexico. But then I think all of them want to win. That's, that's, that's a difficult question. I think they all want to win. I don't. I don't think that's up for contention. True. True. <laughs> Um, Sam, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think there's one driver who needs a win a bit more than the others? Um, I, I agree with Harry in the sense that I do feel like Verstappen does need a win. He's not the one I would put right at the top of that pile, though. Max Verstappen just needs a safe, successful race, I think, this weekend. He needs no dramas. He just needs to cross that line. He needs to beat Albon because he, since the summer break, has not outperformed uh, Mr. Albon in terms of point scoring. I don't think Albon needs a win either. I think Albon just needs another comfortable drive and he's going to be close enough to Max that he's competitive and fighting in that top six, not way off the pace. I think the one man that needs a victory is Sebastian Vettel. I think he needs to maintain this strong run of performances. He needs to cement that he is still on the top of his game and he can still beat this young prodigy that he has got beside him, the Charles Leclerc. He needs to show going into what could be one of his final seasons of Formula 1 in a Ferrari, depending on how things goes, that he is still able to lead that team. I think if he starts falling off the pace and doesn't pick up another wing, there's every chance that Seb Vettel becomes Kimi Raikkonen. And I don't think Seb Vettel ever wants to become Kimi Raikkonen in terms of a driver profile. Maybe as a man, we all love him. But in terms of who he is in the car and where he sits in within a team, I don't think Sebastian Vettel can ever be a true number two driver. I think he needs to cement himself up there still as at least an equal driver. And this is the time to do it going into the new season. So for me, Sebastian Vettel is a man that needs a victory. I'm going to go Max Verstappen as well, actually. I think maybe not even necessarily this race, but I think he needs to win one of the last three. Um, We have seen so many times Red Bull have improved as the year has gone on and and Max Verstappen has picked up, obviously, wins at Mexico over the last few years. He should have won Brazil um, last time out. So I I think he does need a win at some point. Um, It has been a little bit of a dodgy spell for him after the summer break. So, yeah, I think it would be a bit of a confidence booster for him to pick up one of the one of the last three. So maybe this time out will be his weekend. Um, Moving on to some bold predictions. Um, Harry, I, I, I'm going to try and ask you and see if you've got one ready. I do. Whoa! I do. Is That's that because he's taken two weeks off, so he's had two weeks. Two weeks to think, <laughs> weeks to think about it. Um, it's the home race for the horses, and they're both going to be on the bloody points, lads. After a disastrous race in Mexico, the Americans are. Sam and Ben just both took a swig of tea as I said that. That was so weird. I know <laughs> none of you can see that, but that was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's completely thrown me off. Yeah, both houses, even though the car was complete garbage in Mexico, they're going to either, not through pace, but they're going to just come through a crazy race in, in the US and both be in the top 10, have some points, put some points on the, points on the board. Yeah, I think I think they'll be better off in the US than they were in Mexico, although that's not necessarily too hard compared to where they were in Mexico. Fucking the Williams in Mexico, that's Yeah. I think I think K Mag actually had a bit of an underrated performance in Mexico as well. So he I, re- I reckon there's a chance of it. I wouldn't put money on it. That's staying firmly in my pocket. I'm not putting but... money on my bold predictions, man. I've never been right in three years, four years of doing this. You, that... won't be right, you won't be right this weekend, do you? That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think you will. I would be surprised to see one of them in there though. Which one? K Mag. Obviously, K Mag. <laughs> Do you not believe in the baguette? <laughs> we, we call him the baguette. 
Part of me doesn't want them to score any points, though, because I just find it brilliant that both drivers have got the same number of points as their driver number. Oh, you're such <laughs> wow, a crafty comment. That is such a crafty comment. It's quite, it's quite cool, I think. But... Is it? Is it as good as the brakes reaching the temperature of lava? <laughs> every practice. We're every getting off topic. Yeah, maybe. Sam, have you got a bold prediction? I think Lando Norris will finish comfortably within the top six. Comfortably in the top six? Yeah, I, there's, I reckon, actually, I'm going to extend it to say top five. I think he'll be fifth or above, and Lando Norris will finally get the points all that he actually deserves and will not be stricken with bad luck. I mean, it, it's bold. I, I can't deny it isn't bold. I mean, prediction. Ha- Harry's is more bold. I mean, that's ridiculous. I don't know. I think they're fairly close. All right, Benjamin, hit us with it. Show us how bold you can go. Here we go. A Williams driver will not make 107%. So you're going to say they won't One actually meet the qualification standard? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Wow. I mean, how, how many seconds off were they in Mexico? Was it four? No, no, they were really close to not making 100 Or at least Kubica. Kubica was really close to not making 107%. Oh, it's becoming just a bit embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, you think the team would improve over the year. They, they've just, the gap has barely closed. Oh, they're, they're not concentrating on this year now. They're, they must be on next year's car. As soon as the checker flag falls in Brazil. In before <laughs> Williams actually have a race winning car next year. I was going to say, if you're taking like Verstappen's time in qualifying three in Mexico, Kubica doesn't make 107%. Wow. So... And he didn't make 107% in practice three, I don't think. So, you know, they need a weekend as bad as they had in Mexico. But that's that's what I'm going for my bold prediction. Well, I think that's still pretty bold. We don't often see a car drop below the 107% line. So I, I think that's pretty strong from the three of us. And of course, in the comments and uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, we'd love to hear what your bold predictions are. So please get in touch with us. What are your bold predictions for the US Grand Prix coming up this weekend? Make it as bold as possible, please. Like Phil Mitchell. Sorry for anyone outside of the UK that doesn't understand that reference. Oh, right, we'll go international like Bruce Willis. That's a good we, one. We do use Bruce Willis a lot. Um, poll one, two, three. Sam, who do you think? Charles Leclerc will get pole. Sebastian Vettel will win the race. Charles Leclerc will be second. And I think that Lewis Hamilton will be third. Hasmeister? Hasmeister? Yeah. Does that make the master of Hazes? Has the master of stupidity. Paul Sebi Vet win Verstappen second, Sebi Vet third, uh, Hamilton. Where does Charles Leclerc go in this weekend? He's he's going to miss his flight. Oh. Ah. And that's not your bold prediction. And Mika Salo is going to be the <laughs> reserve driver because <laughs> it's nineteen ninety nine. is going to be in the points. <laughs> Zanardi's going to ben, come just outside the top ten. Of you, stop it, Ben. What is your poll one two three? Uh, poll Ralph Schumacher. First, <laughs> sorry. Ralph Schumacher can get a poll if it hit him in the face. Oh, come on. I Ralph mean, that, was good. That jaw is going to knock a few things out of the way to get really... Poor Ralph. Ralph, Ralphie, Ralph, Ralph. Ralph. Good. I'm going to stand up for Ralph here. Um, Ralphie the Ralph. Ralph. I'm going to go with 
pole. I think Hamilton gets pole after a, a little while off pole position. I think he'll then win the race. I'm going to have Sebastian Vettel in second and Valtteri Bottas in third. You're joking. Hamilton's going to get another one? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, uh, Brenda from Bristol, for making an appearance. Uh, Didn't expect that. Special guest on the podcast. Do you not know? Yeah, we'll we'll make that happen. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Again, if you have an interesting prediction for part one, two, three, please get it down in the comments or get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram. It's really interesting to hear what you guys think is going to happen. Uh, we will do our best to respond to you guys. So please get involved in the conversation. Indeed. Really Brenda now replies to our <laughs> replies to this. So um, moving on to Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, of course, they had a slight coming together in Mexico. Um and there were some comments in the post-race uh, press conference from Lewis Hamilton and indeed Sebastian Vettel um, about Max Verstappen and whether they react differently when racing wheel to wheel with him. Uh, Lewis Hamilton saying that you kind of, generally speaking, you give more room to some drivers than you do others. And with Max, you kind of go to the upper limit for how much room you give them. Um, Sam, what did you make of these comments? And did you think Hamilton was, uh, was just in, in making them? I think if I was Max Verstappen, I wouldn't show it, but I would feel quite embarrassed by those comments. And the fact that Sebastian Vettel literally agreed with him there and then, that's going to be six and plus four equals ten. Well, for those of you out there, stuff. it's going to be ten world championships there that all think that Max Verstappen <laughs> can't race wheel to wheel without crashing into you. That's, that is embarrassing. I think for someone who wants to be a world champion themselves, that is embarrassing. Alonso, Hamilton, Vettel, you know, they all rated driving alongside of each other and they all have the utmost trust. I mean, we saw it in Mexico where Hamilton and Vettel went wheel to wheel. Hamilton was like, he squeezed, he squeezed, he squeezed, I got out of it, but Vettel didn't push him to the absolute limit. I think that realistically he could have taken a little centimeter or two more. Vettel knew when to stop and Hamilton got out the right time. There was no proper contact there. Once again, we see the staff and cause contact. And a lot of people were contesting that Hamilton was the reason the contact was caused, who was basically on the edge of the track going through that corner, and um, uh, the staff and lost it going wide into that corner. Um, I generally do think that uh, that is embarrassing, Max Verstappen. Uh, he needs to clean up his act a little bit when it comes to wheel to wheel because he can be so brilliant at it. Um, he just needs that consistency to come back. So I would struggle not to take that personally. And I do think Hamilton's got a fair point with some of the stuff that's happened recently. Interesting. Harry, do you think that, do you agree with that? Well, the thing that I've thought of the first, uh, the first thing I thought of, that's some good English there from Haz, um, the first thing I thought of was uh, Senna. And I remember Brundle saying something similar about Senna that you, if you gave him, start to give him more than an inch, then he just like mentally he'd have sunk you because if you if you did give him the inch, he'd be past you. And if you didn't, then he'd probably be having an accident. I don't know, it just parallels with that a bit. Um, I'm not saying that Verstappen's in Hamilton's head. That's that's a ridiculous thing to say. But I just thought it was interesting comments for Hamilton to make. To uh, I mean, it's all mind games, but to admit or to say that he gives Verstappen more room on the, on the circuit? I don't know. Verstappen may be embarrassed, but he may take it the other way and be like, great. I can come past Hamilton more easily because he's going to give me more room. Um, I don't know. Interesting one. It, again, it's all it's all just it's all chatter, isn't it? They're all just trying to play some psychological mind games. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really believe Hamilton gives more room to Verstappen. Um, I mean, there wasn't much room on Sunday. Let's be honest. So um, 
yeah, just but all interesting and like Sam says, interesting that Vettel um chimed in at the same time. But yeah, that's that's two experienced guys playing a bit of bit of bit of mind games. I think. I mean, it's it's important advice to take from a man that's never won anything in Formula One against a man that is a multiple world champion. Of course, that's crucial to remember that Brundle's never won anything. No, I, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Let's just remember Brundle saying it about Senna because they used to race together in F3, and he said it. That's all. It made me think of it. Is all. Yeah, I, I think um, Hamilton was just in the comments that he was making. It, it's not as if he went out of his way to make these comments about Max Verstappen. He was directly asked the question, so I, I think he was absolutely justified in his answer. And and if if he's saying what the what's the truth and what actually happens each and every time they go wheel to wheel, then you can't really have much problem with what he's saying. If he if he does genuinely give Max Verstappen more room than anyone else that he races side by side with, then he's just saying what's happening, and and that's that's kind of that. Um, I don't I mean, believe I don't believe he gives Max Verstappen more room than he does to Sebastian Vettel. Really, though. Well, see, th- th- that's the point. It's about whether he is telling the truth or not. I mean. If he if he is, then that's fair enough. If he's not telling the truth and it's mind games, then that's I guess to be expected. Um, you know that they all play that game up at the top and um, try and get the psychological advantage. So yeah, it, it it was real. It was a real interesting one, and obviously Sebastian Vettel just sort of piggybacked on on that um, and didn't really say anything else on the matter. Uh, I don't think Verstappen is necessarily. I don't think Verstappen is going to be embarrassed by those comments, even if he should be. Um, I think we we've sort of seen Verstappen long enough in Formula One now, where he he thinks he's right ninety nine percent of the time, and it's very <laughs> rare that he gets his opinion uh, changed by someone else saying something. And I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's very much in the Schumacher mold. So and that equals success. So I um I don't think Verstappen is going to take these comments to heart and immediately change the way he races because of it. I mean. People banged on about him for ages in 2018, saying you have to change the way you race. You have to change the way you race. And he remained adamant, no, I don't. Um, whether you think he was right to ignore the critics then, that's up to you. But he did. He did. That's the point. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with the comments. Either he was telling the truth or he was playing mind games. I think it's you just have to work out which one it is. Uh, I'm quite undecided. That's nice and conclusive from all three of us, I think, there. Yeah, we don't do conclusive very often, so... <laughs> very true. Very true, indeed. Um, moving on to the graphics in F1. Very, great, seamless transition here, by the way. Um, <laughs> so F1 have introduced a lot more graphics this year. Uh, their partnership with AWS has brought us some graphics, such as the tyre performance map and the overtaking possibility map. Um, just wanted to really get your thoughts on these new graphics. Are they working? Do we need more of them? Do we need less of them? Sam, what do you think? So I am split in terms of graphic by graphic analysis here. The chance to overtake, I think, especially for newcomers to the sport, is actually quite interesting. I think even if you are a uh, an expert hand at Formula 1 and you've watched, you know, 100 races and you understand how undercuts work or overcuts work or tire life works or you know slipstream or get through traffic that is that builds tension and i like that it builds tension that's fun i don't like it being used when the gap is 4.3 seconds 97 percent of passing i think it's a little bit irrelevant at that point the graphic i have a real issue with that i think is just an absolute 
crock of rubbish is um is the tire wear graphic it is just it's it's just pure guesswork it's them going pirelli how long are these meant to last for 50 laps right we're on we're on 40 laps so that's 80 percent put 80 percent now it's, it doesn't mean anything it's pointless we saw that hamilton had 10 percent tire wear left in his tires come the end of mexico he was across the line fine. He wasn't being gained by anyone. He had fresh, he had all the tyres and everyone around him. He was still fine. I need those graphics to be accurate if they're going to be worthwhile having. And I just don't trust the tyre wear graphic. I'm all for graphics. They're interesting. They can build suspense. They can provide more information, especially for newcomers, which is what F1 needs to be about, encouraging a bigger viewership. But that one in specific, I think, is rubbish. Harry, agree? Yeah, it's proper naff, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is. What are they talking about? And I saw that Pirelli aren't even happy with it themselves because it's like making their tyres out to be worse than they actually are. So, um, yeah, Taiwan is just garbage. And I, I don't know. I don't know whether I even... I don't know whether I even care for the Taiwan. The the only one I think I've liked so far is the is the pit stop, like, undercut one, where it shows the moving gap. We've got the two guys moving gap. That's cool, like that, because sometimes you're, you're looking at the thing thinking, well, it's kind of 20 seconds for a pit stop. He might get him, he might not. But the, the moving gap thing, I guess, is, is informative, although maybe it t- kind of takes attention out of it a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's the only one I like. The percentage of overtake when the as Sam says, like, four seconds behind don't care like there's so many other factors that could come into the the guy behind overtaking you that that's just stupid so yeah i'm not a massive fan of all of them i can't think of any more there are more but i can't think of them but on the whole naff yeah i I think they're the principal ones that have been brought in this year um i agree with you on the um undercut possibility of whether they get that done or not I, I think that's a really dynamic graphic for them to use and seeing the percentages move with kind of as they go through the sectors I, I, I actually quite like that graphic so I, I I don't mind that one I wouldn't mind seeing that one stick around um and I I, I believe AWS are bringing more graphics next year so um Yay. they're gonna have to pick and choose which are the best ones or it's going to be graphic overload um I don't yeah I don't mind the um I don't really care too much for the overtake probability one, um, especially if it's within sort of five seconds, as you say, I, I don't think there's much point in it. I'd rather just see it play out rather than guess, you know, it's going to be six laps and it's going to be this, it's going to be 20% chance of it happening based on that meter at the bottom. I, I don't care too much for that one. Controversial opinion though. I do like the tire one. Oh, um, go to oh, bed. Go to hang bed. on. Of course, Ben Naff Hocking likes the tire one. Hang on. Hang on. I don't like the way that it's being done in that Pirelli aren't even involved in it. The the data is not from Pirelli, the actual tyre providers. So it is a load of rubbish at the moment. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, We saw in Japan, I think it was, where the graphic showed that Hamilton had 70% tyre performance left and he goes over the radio two seconds later saying these tyres are messed up. And we know that Hamilton does like to exaggerate with his tyre wear and tyre performance, but it's not going to be that much out, is it? So I think unless they can... I think if they can get the data from Pirelli themselves, I think it can actually be a really useful useful graphic. I think it's quite an interesting one um, because it, it's such an invisible thing where we don't really know anything about the tyres apart from 
you know, how long they've been on. I mean, we don't have enough information. I, I don't mind it, um, but I want it to be accurate if they if they have it involved. So, um, yeah, I, slightly I, controversial I, one. My issue but. with that point about Pirelli providing the information is obviously Pirelli work with each team individually on their ties during the race. And if you're saying that Lewis Hamilton's been on ties for 14 laps and he's got 40% wear left, then that's providing actual Mercedes current information to everyone to just go... Hamilton's tired and going to last another four laps. It'll be off him soon. And I think that then kills the secrecy of strategy. So I think you can't have one or the other. I think it's either completely wrong and irrelevant or you're giving away team information live to the whole audience. And that also takes away the pressure. I also hate the percentage, uh, the difficulty of overtaking. You know, Max Verstappen coming up to Lewis Hamilton, 97% difficulty chance. Like he's some kind of end of game boss that he's approaching. Um, you know, you'll have to deploy all your special skills to get past this person. I just think generally they're a bit naff. I think they need to be re-reviewed entirely. Um, but hey, Ben, if you like tire wear, I think it adds a bit of a, an extra layer that we can actually see what's going on. Um, but uh, if it's inaccurate, it's pointless. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Whether they do get Pirelli involved or not, I'm not quite sure. The main problem I have is not actually those graphics at all. It's that we don't have the most basic of information available. Tire history. There is nothing about tire history or like pit stop lap. It, it bemuses me when we do the ratings. Like we do ratings after a Grand Prix, and I have to actually go and look up on live timing data to see if I want if I want to reference how many uh, laps someone has been on a certain tire. We don't have that information available. You know, the commentators were very vocal about how many laps Hamilton had done on the hard tyre, but there's no actual visual representation of this guy's been on the hard tyre for 20 laps. This guy's been on the hard tyre for 30 laps. Why isn't that information available? So I think there are some basic needs in terms of graphics that aren't there at the moment. Even such things as we know when someone gets the fastest lap of a Grand Prix, but we don't know when drivers are setting personal bests. We, we don't know when a driver is, you know... Just, really struggling in a certain sector of a of a race i i i don't know i think there are certain really basic information that should be a given that isn't there at the moment and they're really focused on these complex ones so that's my main concern or my main issue with it all for uh for a minute there when you said tire history i thought you wanted like a uh, a look back in time yes that, i do the tire you know, that's what I thought you were looking for. First tyre was invented in. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And they're having some kind of old Western video come across the race. I want a full two-hour documentary in the race with the whole Michelin versus Bridgestone war. Yeah. I don't care about the race. That's all I want. I also think we should get uh, refueling information. I think that's really relevant to have. <laughs> hey, don't, don't... AWS might be listening. They might actually try and go ahead with that. Plus no AWS. So we've only got a few races left now in the 2019 calendar. Um, so whilst we can't do a full review yet, we can have a look back and see uh, what has gone as expected. And, and more specifically, what has surprised us this year? So I was going to ask you both, what have been the biggest surprises of F1 in 2019? Um, Sam, kick us off on this one. My first big surprise of the season is just how bloody good Carlos Sainz is like he was always really good but he's turned up for the bloody show only this season what a mighty fun he is in contention for my driver of the season at the moment Carlos Sainz I always knew he's going to be good but he is driving that McLaren 
to its absolute nuts and bolts. You know, he is making sure that the tyres fall off that thing going in the race. And he's only had a few really naff races. I, less than a few, to be honest. So my, one of my largest surprises, actually, is McLaren in general and just how good Carlos Sainz really can be uh, when putting a car that he feels comfortable in. It's great to see that Sainz is properly back and I hope that he can drive that forward for the, uh, the next couple of seasons. Maybe make something of McLaren as possibly their lead driver if Lando Norris continues to sit just behind him in terms of performance. It's yet to see. But for me, that's the first big surprise of the season. Harry, what, what has been a big surprise for you? Biggest surprise has been how Renault have not been the third fastest team. <laughs> Shocker. Ah, <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, no, one of the this is a weird one, but how how much F one can swing from being the greatest sport, the most exciting sport in the world, and then can also be the one of the dullest things you've ever watched? Because I I think if you think back pre um, Silverstone, was it? We had like. France, which was insanely dull, and we had Barcelona, which was, just, and everyone's crying, like screaming bloody murder, like F1 is, and it, it still needs to be fixed, of course. Um, but yeah, like F1 is broken, we're never going to watch this sport again, it's dead. And then we had like that run of Austria, and we had uh, Silverstone, and I mean, ever since then, we had Germany as well, oh my god, that was a crazy race. Um, yeah, just how quickly F1 can swing from tedious to bloody amazing. Um, just, just on that point, we have possibly had the longest string of races that have been thrilling yeah. for a long time. I think, like you said, Silverstone, Germany, Austria, all before the summer break, and then every single race since the summer break has been utterly brilliant to watch. Um, I think it's been what I mentioned earlier as well, like the, the teams have closed, the top three have closed up, which has helped. But even then, I don't... Even when we had Mercedes winning the races behind them, we're still boring. So, yeah, weird. weird. Yeah, very weird indeed. Um, I think probably the most surprising thing for me has been, and you touched on this, Sam, has been McLaren's performance as a whole. Carlos Sainz's performances individually haven't surprised me as much, but I think the team, I did not foresee them finishing fourth place. Um, and we obviously we are predicting the future here that they will claim fourth place but even if they finish fifth I, it's still been a massive surprise to see them that far up the grid um you remember last season towards the end of the year they were not much quicker than williams they, yeah. there were a few qualifying sessions where there was not much to choose between them at all and it was kind of those four at the back um and they've gone through a massive transition period over the last kind of 12 months or so if you think um you've had the, the likes of um, Seidel and, and Stella, they've shielded Ferran, they've all come into the team. Um, and Zach Brown's kind of gone through this whole restructuring process. They've got a brand new lineup this year. And I thought whilst it would work eventually, I did not think it was going to work this season. I thought this would be very much a transition recovery season where they would maybe finish eighth. And then next season would perhaps be the year that we've actually seen them have this year. Um, but it's been a really quick process for them, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. They, they've done they've done really well. Um, Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz have done a spectacular job. In many ways, they've had a lot more bad luck than the teams behind them. And if they didn't have those, uh, you can call it bad luck. Maybe it's you know team error in terms of pit stops. But if they if these things hadn't have happened, they'd be much higher up in fourth place as well. So 
Um, I think that has been the most surprising thing for me this year. Um, I, I, I just want to interject. The one yeah. thing that hasn't surprised me at all uh, is that Gunther Steiner will once again be the star of the Netflix documentary series. Oh, man, I can't wait to see the Mercedes German GP episode. Oh, my God, that's going to be amazing. I can't believe they picked that weekend for their <laughs> filming. Of, of all weekends, Mercedes yeah. do so well all the time, and then they pick that disastrous one. Um, you mentioned Good Sign. I was actually going to come on to Haas, because obviously they have fallen off the pace quite a bit this year. Um, Sam, have you been surprised with their drop in performance? Yeah, massively surprised that they dropped. That was one of my other massive surprises of the season. I knew that Haas were were struggling in that winter period and when they came into Australia, but I thought with how well they've done since they entered for one, they were never back markers. They came in as midfield runners and they've continually progressed as midfield runners. Of course, we saw that last season it was between them and Renault for the best car after the top three. And I thought, right, this is it. Haas are going to really cement themselves. An American team doing really well. And I'm actually slightly nervous that if this trend continues for a couple of seasons and they drop to the back of the grid if Williams pick it up we might see the team depart I generally think that could happen they are all over the place they haven't changed their driver lineup which shocks me a bit of fresh blood a bit of excitement in the team can often spur a team to do the right thing good the star is a brilliant team principal but I don't know if he has the full engineering understanding to lead that team out of such a tough place or if he's got to have to hire externally to change it around but their performances have just been shocking they are being in disarray this season i don't think they know where to go to improve what they're doing um Haas needs to step it up otherwise i think they're going to really be struggling until maybe the new era of formula one um harry have you been surprised with how Haas have improved year on year and they've kind of just descended into nothingness this year i don't know because they they are still a relatively new team i know we're on year four um five four 16 17 18 four. um oh, yeah. That's good maths. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they ascended so quickly in 16, and then we had they had another great year last year. Arguably, could have been fourth, for, not for a few mistakes. Um, a bad year is, I guess, to be expected. I think they've learned some hard lessons this year. I think one of them being they need to listen to their drivers because. Like midway through the season, I remember Grosjean was screaming for them to go back to the Australia spec car because he he maintained it was better. And they kept saying no, 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 no. And in the end, they gave up, went back to the Australia spec car, and indeed, it was better. Um, yeah, so they're just, they're just learning hard lessons of Formula One, I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them fight back again next year. don't know what sponsors will be on the car. That's another worrying thing, as Sam said could be concerning for their future because they have lost the I mean the worst sponsor in Formula One but still their main sponsor um yeah we'll have to see but not I mean it's surprising yeah considering their pace last year but not surprising that a team so new is having a tough year that makes sense Mm. I I did think they would fall back this year um that was one of my pre-season predictions but I did not think they would fall back as much as they have that has surprised me and it looks like ninth place is where they're going to finish up unless they pick up some points to to jump ahead of alpha ahead of them um yeah I I I feel like I said that they would regret not moving away from Grosjean or Magnussen more specifically Grosjean when so many of the other midfield teams around them decided to go and get real quality drivers. You know, Renault went and got Daniel Ricciardo. Of course, the car hasn't quite been there this year, but Ricciardo has been a good acquisition. 
Alpha went out and got a former world champion. McLaren, a brand new dynamic lineup. And Haas just stay put. And if you're not going forward in Formula One, you're going backwards. And I feel like uh, they might they will regret again next season, not moving on to another driver. And it seems the case that F1, Haas are so scared that Grosjean and Magnussen have become integrated into the team so much and know so much about the team and how they've had two different cars going at one point in the season, that that loss of knowledge is not going to be made up from perhaps an increase in quality or some fresh blood. Um, I really think they should go ahead with that move and they keep on they keep on saying no to it. So um, I, I thought they'd fall back, but they have fallen back by much more than I than I anticipated. And that is what has surprised us in the F1 2019 season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another solid, seamless conclusion from the late breaking boys. This is where we need that classic final slide in a PowerPoint that you've done in year six, which just says, by Ben Hocking, Samuel. <laughs> and it, it like swirls in because you've done a ridiculous animation with the words. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> well, people usually have statements rather than questions, and they're usually, you know disfavorable towards what we're saying so we welcome any of those comments and indeed if you have any positive comments we'd love to hear those yeah we like those more than the negative ones <laughs> all we can ask for is if you have got comments please keep it civil please keep it friendly to each other we will have opinions and those opinions are all fair and valid but remember that each other has also got an opinion and let's discuss those in the comments but we do appreciate those discussions so please get involved but remember those who you are talking to I can't think of a more fitting way to end this one. So, Sam, do the honours. Get us out of here. If you'd like to be part of those wonderful discussions down in our comments, then please get down in there, get typing, and let us know what you thought about all the topics that we have covered across this video. What is your biggest surprise of the 2019 season? And what do you think might shock you in the coming few races and, of course, the 2020 season? If you'd like to stick around for more videos, we are so close to the, the big 1,000. Maybe you could be the 1,000th subscriber. But first, we've got to hit the subscribe button, so please do. And, of course, hit the like button. It helps us out massively. But until the meantime, I've been Sandra Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Harry Eid. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.